Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Here's a backhand wrapper on Save Gibson, then the rebound on McDavid once, twice, and it trickles home. Connor McDavid's third effort. Off the draw, here's Nurse. Another shot blocked in front. Pugliarvi, backhander, score! Edmonton 2-0, yes up, Pugliarvi! A steal by Nugent Hopkins, races in, left wing, drag move to Brodziak, backhander, score! Shorthanded goal for the Edmonton Oilers! Montour, smacked into by Lucic, who recovers the puck, then tried to center for Pugliarvi, out to the point, here's a quick shot, score! Leon Dreisaitl makes it 4 nothing. The goals last night by the Edmonton Oilers, the big three producing once again. McDavid gets a goal, Drysettle gets a goal, a couple of assists for Nugent Hopkins and Cam Talbot, the 39 save shutout. Talbot's last clean sheet was the first game of last season back in October of 2017 when he shut out the Calgary Flames. So he looked good. I would guess he will start tomorrow against the San Jose Sharks. The Oilers did not skate today, so keep attuned to Oilers now with Bob Stoffer from noon to 2 tomorrow for the latest on the Oilers. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Quick update of the NHL scoreboard. About six minutes into the third period, the Predators lead the Maple Leafs 2-0. Earlier, I told you that Craig Smith had a goal in this game. Well, he no longer does. It is now credited to Matthias Ekholm with uh, Smith getting an assist. P.K. Subban, the other goal for the Predators. So they're up 2-0 on the Leafs in the third. Also in the third, St. Louis with a 1-0 edge on the Flyers. After two periods in Montreal, no score between the Habs and Minnesota. And six minutes left in the first period. Johnny Goudreau, his 25th of the season. Calgary up one nothing on Chicago. Later on tonight, the Kings play the Sharks. The Oilers visit the Sharks tomorrow. 7 o'clock face-off show. Game will start at 8.30, all on 6.30. Chet, start of the second quarter in the NCAA football championship game. It is Clemson leading Alabama 14-13. Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer at that game in Santa Clara, not uh, far from San Jose. Yeah, it would be the Bay Area, wouldn't it? There we go. It's. I, I was checking the map. This Santa Clara is basically just right to the north of San Jose. Right on. It's, it's, this is where the 49ers play, but the stadium is closer to San Jose than San Francisco. And I didn't know this until a couple of years ago. Our friend Dan Rusinowski, who does Sharks play-by-play, mm-hmm. uh, San Jose more populous than San Francisco. Oh, That's that would a make fancy sense. way of saying more people live there. I believe San Jose is kind of the hub for the Silicon Valley stuff. So They like their computers there. They do, yeah. 
All right, you can text 63630. Uh, Stacy says, Reed, as you mentioned, the Oilers are struggling leaving their zone. What I've been noticing lately is it seems the defense are being forced to make their first pass well into the neutral zone from deep in their own end. When that's not the case, the forward are uh, coughing up the puck inches inside their own blue line instead of making a safe play off the glass. I think they are more successful when they leave the defensive zone as a five-man unit and not cheating up the ice. That is, uh, I think, a very accurate observation from Stacy. I, I, I mean, I think a few things are happening here. The Oilers, they don't have enough skill to make accurate passes. And I think sometimes they uh, forget that shorter passes are are better and they uh, lose a little bit of the puck support. You know, uh, Sid Smith, who's the boss here, he used to do inside sports when it first started. He told me a great story once. Uh, I can't remember who the player was. Could have it had been... Somebody might have to help me out here. Could have it had been Clark Gillies? Did he go to Buffalo? It was a it was a player who uh, played for the New York Islanders when they won their four Stanley Cups. I think it was Clark Gillies, yeah, because he went to Buffalo at the end of his career after winning those Stanley Cups with the Islanders, and and Buffalo was wasn't very good. and And the story goes, and who knows if some of this is exaggerated over the years. But, but the story goes, Clark Gillies leaves the Islanders, they'd been a great team, goes to the Buffalo Sabres, who had not been a great team, and he plays the first period with the Buffalo Sabres, and they're not very good, and, and they fall behind, and they're in the dressing room for the second intermission. <laughs> and the story goes, Clark Gillies stands up and says, I don't know what happens around here, but where I come from, nobody leaves the zone until the puck does. And then he sits down. <laughs> Now, maybe doesn't ap- uh, apply uh, all the time in the NHL, and now with the uh, the no red line, sometimes you have players busting out for a stretch pl- pass to try to take a defenseman with them. But wouldn't wouldn't that be an interesting? <laughs> wouldn't that be? Uh, I mean, what if what what if you, what if you just watch the game tomorrow and see which team? keeps more guys in the defensive zone longer or keeps all five guys in the defensive zone until the puck gets out. Probably will be the team that winds up winning the game. Uh, Allen says uh, we're talking about some of the uh, abuse and non-calls on McDavid, and I do think that was a non-call last night. I think some of the comments by Hitch earlier in the season, lobbying for a call. Uh, But Allen says, I see Edmonton's point of view. But I also see the opponent's side. It's hard to skate while being bumped and held while not being allowed to free wheel. Until Edmonton takes charge of this, it will not stop. A guy showing up late or leaving early from work will not stop doing that if not held accountable. Lucic needs to review old Semenko tapes. That is a text coming in from Alan. Well, Alan, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. The, the Oilers this season... I don't think have done a good enough job of of standing up for themselves or for their teammates. They they have had several players 
who were brought in by Shirelli to beef up the team in one form, form or another. Lucic leads the way. Cassian would be up there. Larson, to some extent, I don't know if he's going to fight as much, but uh, but he's a, he's a physical type of player. Maroon did some of that when he was here. And I'll, I'll just say this about last night's game. Now, it depends who's on the ice, obviously, when something happens. McDavid gets that shove from behind by Lindholm. Joseph Gambardella goes in there and takes a run at Lindholm. Uh, Joseph Gambardella is up from the minors. He's probably going to spend the next five to ten years of his life playing most of his career in the AHL and getting some call-ups to the NHL. I think he's a hard-working, smart young man. He's already 25 years old. Uh, he's probably going to score fairly well in the AHL. He's leading Bakersfield in points this year. He's going to the AHL All-Star game. When he comes to his NHL teams, whether it's the Oilers or somebody else down the road, he'll probably get limited action and just be asked to be reliable and to check. He plays six, seven minutes a game. But when I see Joe Gambardella at least taking a run at Lindholm in his third NHL game, to me, that's a player saying, what do I have to do to get my fourth NHL game? And what do I have to do in that game to play eight minutes instead of seven? to get that one extra shift. That that's what I saw from Gambardella on that play. Now is he, you know, he's not a big guy. Is he going to go in there and fight? Is he going to risk taking a major penalty when his team's got the lead? Probably, he's probably not going to do all that type of stuff. But at least he went in there and did something about it. And too many times the Oilers have had players who have not done anything about it. And, you know, and I know some people will, you know, we've heard a lot from fans. Well, you know, is Lucic just satisfied? Is he not motivated? I don't know. I can't crawl into the guy's head and tell you how he feels. I can't crawl into Cassian's head and tell you how he feels. But I can see their actions. And sometimes through their actions, I sit there thinking to myself, eh, you know, you're kind of not doing what you've been expected to do. And as we often talk about, you will not score every game especially on this Oilers team. But, so if you cannot score, are you going to make an impact some other way? Are, are you, are you going to send a message to your coach, even if you're a veteran, saying, hey, coach, you've been playing me 11 minutes. Maybe I should be up to 13 because I'm going to do this. And so at least with Joe Gambardella, I saw a young man who's saying to Ken Hitchcock in that situation, hey, coach, this is my third National Hockey League game at the age of 25. I finally got some games. You don't use me very much but I want you to put me on the lineup card in San Jose so I get my fourth game. And I want you to think you can put me out there because if Connor or somebody else gets pushed, at least I'm going to try to do something about it. Maybe I'm not big enough to fight. Maybe I don't fight a lot, but at least I'm going to be a pest. And and at least I'm going to do something immediately to suggest that I'm not happy with what you did to McDavid or Dreisaitl or Nugent Hopkins. It's 7.15. Lots of uh, changes recently for the Edmonton Eskimos. Some new coaches and players leaving. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. To the NFL, including leading receiver Duke Williams. We'll break it down with Dave Campbell when we get back. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. 
All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, this texter says, uh, Reed, I think you're using taking a run at pretty loosely. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad Gambardella at least stood up to Lindholm, but he didn't take a run at him, and he has fought in the AHL. Well, that's a fair response. Uh, Gambardella won fight in the AHL and won in uh, a rookie game for the Oilers this fall. I guess I'm saying I don't consider him someone who's going to be a threatening fighter or get out there and fight a lot. But uh, I, I do appreciate that he did something about that play at that time. Hey, good to have you tuning in tonight. A uh, lot of changes for the Edmonton Eskimos. Dave Campbell's the producer of this show and the color analyst for Eskimos football here on 630 Chet. Dave, thanks for sticking around. How are you doing? Fabulous. How are you, Reed? Doing well. It's good to see you. A lot going on with the Eskimos over the last week or so with... Uh, additions, pretty much that's all in the coaching department, and subtractions all in the player department, and a a big loss, the leading receiver, Duke Williams, goes to Buffalo. We all expected this, but it's always a gut punch, I think, to Eskimo fans, uh, and this is the hardest time of the year, I think, for CFL fans, and uh, for Eskimo fans, they've lost three players already, Duke Williams being the most notable, Uh, Mercy Maston has gone to the Eagles, and Jake Cerezin has gone to the New York Giants. Yeah, Duke Williams, uh, I really hope he will get his chance to to thrive in the NFL. The Bills is a is a really good match for him, I think, just because they're looking for receivers. They have a young quarterback in Josh Allen, who uh, by the end of the season, I mean, I think the last month, five weeks, he was maybe you know a top five quarterback, even though he's not a top five quarterback, but he played really well. Um, so hopefully, Duke Williams can you know outrun his reputation or supposed reputation because he didn't really get a fair shot because. You know, he got uh, he had all that trouble with Auburn, but some of that was, you know, maybe misconceptions about his character and things like that. You know, I always found Duke Williams to be very enjoyable to talk to, very good young man uh, for the most part, and uh, he he balls out. I'll tell you, he's a, he was a fun player to watch for, for two seasons. So Duke Williams to the Buffalo Bills, That's I think that's a pretty good fit for him, but CFL players go in the NFL, nothing's guaranteed. And oh, all right. Th- I mean, th- there's a pecking order. CFL players that go to the NFL, they're basically looked as undrafted free agents, right? right. So, and, and the priority is always going to be in the NFL, whether it's fair or not, and most of the time it's not fair. Um, they're going to be more lenient or more leaning towards their scouting staff and, and who they've, who they've scouted and who they've drafted, right? So, but I wish Duke Williams all the best, as I do Mercy Maston and, and Jake Serezna. I was a little surprised about Serezna. Not not that I thought he was a, a bad player or anything. Yeah. I, I just didn't think he was, uh, you know, that noticeable for the Eskimos that he would get NFL looks. Now I know he plays a position where maybe it's 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 a lot of grunt work. It's not a it's not a glamour position. But how do you think Serezna wound up getting this opportunity? Well, the New York Giants. Have a lot of uh, lot of ties to CF, uh, and I'm trying to remember who their GM is and who their assistant GM might be or player personnel. But they bring in CFL players all the time, right? And I just think the, the he he found a fit. You know, the Giants look to this league a lot, and some teams look to the CFL more than others. Even though pretty much all 32 are looking towards the CFL, but some you know more than others. And the Giants always bring in. CFL prospects, and they're always bringing in, uh, you know, the, after the CFL draft, they, they always bring in a lot of CFL prospects for uh, for their rookie mini camps and things like that. Uh, it's a surprise that Jake Serezna was the first CFL player to sign an NFL futures deal. So <laughs> that was crazy, but he's a big dude, you know, and 
They like their size. They like they like the athleticism. He's got he's got both of those. Uh, you know, there's no question about that. It's but it was a surprise. You know, I thought it would have been Bo Levi Mitchell or it would have been Alex Singleton right. who who signed today, or you know, even a Duke Williams uh, off the Eskimos. But for Sarezna to sign first, big surprise. Only one workout, but sometimes it only takes one. All right, Dave Campbell joining us on Inside Sports. So the coaching staff was announced last week. Uh, we had a couple of guys on Inside Sports. Philip Lawley returns to the Eskimos. He was linebackers coach under Chris Jones, and he's coming back as the defensive coordinator. He said his default setting, if you want to call it that, is to play aggressive and to play with pressure. And he, he said well, he said if the quarterback's the other quarterback's jersey is clean, you're not you're not doing your job. Mike Benavides was criticized a lot for being too passive as a defensive coordinator, uh, though I would argue I'm not sure he always had the horses to be as aggressive as he would have want as mm-hmm. he would have wanted. But Lolly, uh, you know, and I guess that's kind of a Chris Jones philosophy too. He wants to make plays on defense. Yes, he does. He and, and he says I'm going to dictate to the offense. I'm not going to let the the offense dictate to me. The only criticism I would have of Mike Benavides' defense is it was too much of we'll let the offense dictate you know, yardage and and, and uh, make them work all the way down the field, which I understand. And some defenses are predicated on the fact that, okay, if you're going to score on us, you gotta, you got you to go 10, 12 plays to do it, right? But at the same time, it, it's kind of hard, I think, for a defense to keep playing that way and keep taking your lumps and things like that. Mike Benavides didn't have a healthy secondary for all the three seasons. I thought he did a pretty good job, especially with the front fours that he had, especially you know, last season, because it was totally rebuilt minus mm-hmm. Amondo Sewell, and it was a slow start, but by the end of the season, they were one of the better D-lines in the league. But Philip Lawley is a guy that's going to bring the hammer a lot more than Mike Benavides. So does that always mean he's going to blitz, you know, six, seven, eight? No. I think he's going to send pressure from different parts of the field. I think that's, uh, you know, it's kind of like, like those zone blitzes and things like that. Um I know in Hamilton, the players loved him. They loved him as a coach. They loved his schemes. They still used a lot of his schemes uh, this year, even when Jerry Glanville was the defensive coordinator. Uh, Philip Lawley is a, it was kind of a out-of-nowhere kind of signing because you kind of looked at the Eskimos and thought, okay, well, Baron Miles is a candidate. Uh, Demetrius Maxey is a candidate. Well, they're bringing Philip Lawley, and they're able to retain Baron Miles in their secondary as their coach, and, and Maxey is a D-line coach. And Lolly has ties here. He's, you know, he's got a girlfriend in St. Albert. Um, so I'm sure the Eskimos were able to get maybe a bit of a, a cheaper price for him too, hopefully, because of that new salary cap for football ops. So I think it's a good story with Philip Lolly coming in. And yeah, I think fans, you know, seeing is believing, but I think he will bring in a much more uh, aggressive style. Absolutely. Okay, so A.J. Gass returns to the green and gold. Very popular linebacker while he was here. Obviously, the early part of his playing career was marred by injuries, right. and he was called A.J. Glass by a lot of people, but he fought through those and was a really good player for a few seasons. Uh, so he comes back after ho- coaching high school football in California, and he's going to be the special teams coordinator. And uh, on the return side of the ball, that was a major area oh, of weakness for the Eskimos. It was terrible. It was the worst part of this Eskimo team. It's been the worst part of this Eskimo team under Jason Moss. 
is the return game. It, it was dreadful. And even when the Eskimos made the switch, they, they you know, they fired Corey McDermott and uh, moved Dave Jackson in for the last four games to be the coordinator, nothing really changed. I mean, there's not much you can really change with four games left in a season. Um, but they have to do something. I mean, when Marquise Jackson, who's one of the better returners in the league, has a over 12-yard average on punt return and sees that average drop by four yards by the end of the season, right. that's not him. That That's what's in front of him. What I find him interesting about A.J. Gass, I know some people say, well, why would he be hired as a special teams coordinator, not defense? Well, he played special teams. He knows special teams. It's an interesting hire. I don't think this happens if Jason Moss is, isn't the head coach, but... Jason Moss is hiring people that he trusts um, and that know him the best. And if you look on that roster or on his coaching roster, now he's got a slew of head coaches that have been with him since 2016. You bring in Jason Tucker, you bring, uh, or Tim Princeton is still on the team as a running backs coach. So he's, he's surrounding people himself with people that he trusts and he played with. You know, AJ Gass coached high school for six years. High school in the U.S. is a lot different than high school up here. Um, it's a lot more competitive. California is especially competitive. Maybe not like Texas, but it's very competitive. But I'm still curious to see what this is going to look like with A.J. Gass as you know, a coach up here. And he's been a coach up here before in 2008 as a defensive assistant. But now you're a coordinator. Um, when you hear him talk, you, you can tell he's got the confidence that he can do the job. And he says special teams involves everyone. Um, and he'll have the fire and the passion. You know, can he do the job? Can he be someone that can spark this this unit, this special teams unit, which, like you say, the return game, not very good. Um, so we'll see what happens. But it's a great story just because it's A.J. Gass. A.J. Gass is coming home, baby, and uh, I think that's what's very exciting about, about all of this. All right, Dave, always fun to talk green and gold with you, buddy. Have a great night. All right, thanks, Reed. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, Kmart texting in. He says, uh, Reed, you have to be kidding. Gambardella did something. He basically swatted a fly and, in fact, looked scared doing it. When is it going to be okay to admit that we've built a team that is supposed to be quite heavy and hard to play against that refuses to play that way and is quickly becoming an exercise in how to waste the best years of the world's best player? There's no disputing that after 10 years of junk, and it's an embarrassment. That is a text from Kmart. And Kevin from Stoney says, I explained Peter Shirelli as an overcorrector. Team needs to get bigger. Hendricks and Nurse already on the team. Adds Cassian and Maroon, then continues to overcorrect by adding Lucic. Uh, we aren't getting performance from forwards. He uh, moves out Hall and Everly, buys out Pouliot. Defense is bad and hurt. Adds Petrovic, then overcorrects by trading depth scoring for Manning. He is an overcorrector, and we wonder why this team has no balance line to line. All right, a couple of text there to 630-630. Well, certainly if you look at the recent trades, uh, probably getting Manning is an overcorrection and uh, maybe adding some of the uh, beef was an overcorrection as well. As for Kmart, uh, yeah, the Oilers have been bad for a long time and they should have been better a long time ago. There's no doubt about that. And I do think Gambrilla did something at the very least. And I'm sorry you're you're so upset, Kmart. Let's take a deep breath. I don't want watching hockey to make you unhappy, Kmart. So it's okay to take a game or two off. That's all I'm saying. 
Greg Reynolds is here from Kissing Country. How's it going? I'm well. I'm better than you. I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm doing great. You sound great. You look, you look good. Thank you. You got a winter beard? I do have a winter Alex beard. Lovely. I do have a winter beard. Clemson leading Alabama, 28-16, four minutes left in the first half. I did like some of those texts that came in uh, to 630-630. My thing is, like, why are you trying to build a heavier quote-unquote hard-to-play-against team in a league that's just getting faster and more skilled. Like, you're building a team that would have worked 10 years ago. You have to... No, they still to... wouldn't have scored enough 10 No, years. absolutely <laughs> not. But you still, like, the, the model 10 years ago was like that big, heavy, hard-to-play-against team that would win, and now it's, like, fast and skilled and Wait, young. Well, I, I just think you need a mix. I mean, why did Washington win? Because they finally embraced... Well, because More they're of a rugged game and had the skill to go along. Yeah, with Yeah, their fighters, Tom Wilson, could actually put the puck in the net. Well, that's true too. Like yes. I don't know, I just feel like I mean, instead Lucic of each had twenty three goals his first season here, had nine at Christmas time last year, so he was on pace for twenty again, and he has two since then. Looking good. So I I don't know, I just think instead of following trends and doing what other people have done to win in the past, why not be a little I don't know innovative try something new maybe try to start a trend instead of trying to follow one because when you're following a trend oftentimes you're too late predators shut out the maple leafs four nothing blues beat the flyers three nothing wild lead the canadians one nothing in the third and start of the second period flames and blackhawks tied one one kings and sharks coming up later tonight I was watching, (laughs) I'm just, I'm a little bit, no, a lot fed up with the Maple Leaf fandom that I see on TV, like the the sports networks and things, and I was watching a a channel, and it was Toronto's Breaking News, one of the, you know, those, like, out east channels that you get sometimes, and it was actually Toronto's Breaking News, and for 45 minutes, their breaking news was, man, downtown's busy because we had an afternoon game. It was insane. Oh, they, yeah, they, was, had a, they had an afternoon game on Thursday. I was like, that's your, that's your breaking news? Well, that's guess, all that's happening in Toronto I today. I guess nothing else was going on. Oh, guy, we had an afternoon game. Sure's busy. <laughs> Get out. Like, relax. They're okay. They're good. They're but very good. pump the brakes. They're very good. Stop forcing them down my throat. It's awful. Well, you don't have to watch that channel. Oh, yeah, but okay, so out of the three sports channels I can watch, they're all running the same story about the fact that... Well, I thought this was a Toronto-only channel. Well, yeah, that was, but the sports ones are worse. The sports ones, they'll do 15 minutes on Mitch Marner having a cold. Is he better? (laughs) I'm not sure yet. (laughs) I didn't get to the conclusion. I had to watch a top 10 to figure that out. Top 10 Maple Leafs colds. (laughs) That's what they're going to do. Top Top 10 10 Maple Leaf ailments. (laughs) I just can't. I'm just, I'm over it. I'm done. Uh, Nick says, hey, Reed, the thing that upsets me most with the Kajula trade is that a typical trade for a solid top six winger at the deadline would be like Kajula betting and a pick. The Oilers don't have the depth to build that uh, trade anymore. Uh, Well, no, they're not getting, uh, they don't have a lot of depth to trade. I don't think they have a lot of players that uh, people will want or want to give up. A lot for. But realistically, that Kajula trade was just basically the organization saying, hey, we need to make room for some of these young guys. It's kind of a prove-it situation for them. We have to give them the space to play and the time to play. And with some of the other, these other guys chewing up ice, that's not going to happen. And I think that's where they were going to go. Whether or not the young guys can step up and do anything, I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of the trade either, but I understood where it came from. 
Uh, this texture says, I'm getting sick of having to complain about missed calls on McDavid. Uh, I'm not getting sick of complaining, but I'm getting sick of having to complain <laughs> that Hitler McDavid could have been called four different ways, boarding, cross-check, interference, hit from behind, yet nothing was called and the ref was eight feet away. Well, I mean, I think the consensus in the hockey world today, including people in Toronto... Oh, yeah? They talked about is it? That, is that that specific play, Lindholm on McDavid, should have been called and the ref is standing right there. You saw so what Gary Frazier had to say? Former referee. Yeah, I've seen Ray Ferraro tweeting about it. Yeah, Jim Matheson talked to Kerry Fraser about it. So yeah, yeah it was a, should have been a penalty. And 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 at this point, you can only yell and scream and holler so much about the same thing before you just realize you're screaming at a wall. Either you see change or you don't. But this is sort of how it is going with McDavid, and don't lose sleep over it because the good thing is he got up. And he's going to play tomorrow, and he's going to keep fighting through these things. And hopefully, the more big stories that come out like this, the more refs will be like, oh, yeah, maybe we should call that. Well, you know, I had a text earlier in the show. It was farther back now, so I can't find it. But someone basically said the NHL should just actually call the rule book and not worry about what players are involved, how much time is left in the game, what the score is, how many power plays each team has already had. I think you. I think that sounds like a good idea in theory until you watch a game, and if they called everything in the in the rule book, it would just be a parade to the penalty box and be boring to watch. Well, when they, when they uh, in the preseason a couple of years ago, the first preseason game, there were something like seventeen power plays combined. When they start, were wanting to call more slashing, the stick check rule, the yeah, all oh, that, that was, all, yeah. yeah, and that's the thing, right? If they called all of that little stuff, all the ticky tacky stuff. You want to do it by the the rule book. I understand the the premise behind it, but it just isn't a reasonable way to to present your game to the world. Because if I'm even like if us hardcore hockey fans will watch because we're desperate and we love it, but the 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 casual fan that the NHL wants to bring in for more revenue, if they pass by and it's every two seconds, it's like it's like watching uh, the CFL being able to challenge different pass interference calls, and they had to make a new rule because of it because of Jason Moss or whatever it was, and it was, you don't you don't want your focus of your game to be on penalties and the refs, you want it to be on the skill and the players. Greg Reynolds from Kissing Country joining us. Uh, he's just coming up after doing his afternoon drive shift. And I wanted to have you on today because you cheer for the Indianapolis Colts. Ta-ra, ta-ra. One and five. Yeah. Finish 10 and six and win their playoff game. Yeah, I saw that win coming because, I mean, Houston's had some bad luck with their receivers. You got Will Fuller, Will Fuller goes down. They bring in... Um, Demarius Thomas, he looks good. He goes down. Then uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, he's uncoverable, but he was obviously hurt. You could see him in that game. So, I mean, our secondary did a great job, but they didn't have much to go up against. But, uh, yeah, it was, it, it's, it's an exciting time. Now, when they were 1-5, you must have been despondent. No, because <laughs> at least Andrew Luck was playing. Like, I was, I was hurting last year when all the stories were coming out about Luck not being able to throw a Nerf ball. And I'm sitting there like, oh, man, this is our quarterback of the future. Is he ever going to play again? At least he's under center. At least we've got a coach that wants to be with the team. At least we drafted some incredible rookies that, I mean, Darius Leonard. and uh, our, our team is looking 
really like in the in the past we weren't drafting well when when it was the old GM and the old coach they were drafting wide receivers when we needed an offensive line and so at least the building blocks were there I didn't figure this year was going to be a playoff year but then like the next year when we had all this cap space and all this room to work with and all these great rookies but yeah this has been an awesome surprise Andrew Luck best neck beard in the business <laughs> forget about his quarterback ability everybody <laughs> Greg Reynolds is just happy about his neck beard. Well, that and the uh, the parody Twitter account. Have you seen that, Captain Andrew yeah, Luck? They, yes, I have. It is fantastic and so spot on because that guy, the, he still, I think he still rocks a flip phone. Oh, does he really? Yeah, he's just a yeah, he's just a big lovable goof that can throw the football. He's wonderful. Well, he did a great job of it. So now they're gonna play Casey. Yeah, it's tough. Did you give him a chance? No, uh, I give him a chance just because they're on this heater and Casey with Andy Reid, and I know it's a different team and I know it's a different quarterback, but historically in the playoffs, it's been choke after choke after choke after choke. But we but you play... say the same thing about the Chiefs, though. That's what. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm oh, saying the sorry. Chiefs. Chiefs. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. I worry that all we had to shut down last week was a hurt DeAndre Hopkins and some guy named Kiki Cutie. And this week it's Travis Kelsey and it's uh, the Cheetah. Uh, whatever. I had him in fantasy too. Tyreek Hill. Right. And you got, you know, there's all these different weapons and Patrick Mahomes can throw the ball 80 yards from his knees. So it's going to be tough. And we play a lot of zone. And I think if he can understand how to pick that apart, that's going to be tough. But we'll see. All right. Can you stick around? No, I, I have nothing to do. Oh, good. We might just keep going right through all of Adler's show, too. How sad is my life? Greg Reynolds is here from Kiss and Country. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's 745 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We'll have the Oilers and the Sharks tomorrow night. 7 o'clock face-off show game at 8.30 here on 6.30. Ched, the Oilers uh, okay on the road trip so far. 2-1 and one through three games, despite that stinker against the Los Angeles Kings. Step up in weight class tomorrow against the San Jose Sharks. My name is Reed Wilkins, joined in studio. He has uh, walked up the stairs from Kissing Country. What are you still on? You got the 2-7 to seven shift there still? Still there, buddy. I'll be there until they give me a promotion or a pink slip. Well, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, we, I always enjoy having you on the show. We talk sports. We talk, uh, we talk life. And talk feelings. Talk, talk about our feelings a lot. <laughs> uh, you had your honeymoon. Yeah, uh, at the beginning of December. Yeah, we went on a cruise to the Caribbean and spent a couple days after that at Universal Studios in Orlando. And what did you do there? Was this the Harry Potter thing? Man, yeah, we're big Harry Potter people. Both you and your, and your wife. Yeah, we both love it. And uh, we went to Harry Potter World. That was the specific reason we wanted to go to Universal because it's the best one. Okay, and it was phenomenal. So, what do you do there? Because I'm not. I, I and I, 
I, I don't know a lot about Harry Potter. I've not read a book. I, I, I was telling you this a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure if I've seen three or four of the eight movies. But you've seen some of them. I've seen at least three, maybe right. maybe four. I mean, it's just, it's like any park, right? Like there's there's things to go buy, there's merchandise, but they've set it up just like you would see it in one of the movies. Okay. And so there's two different areas, and you can take the Harry Potter, like the, the school train between the parks, which is really, really neat. And there's different shops that you would have seen or read about in the books and the movies that you can go into and wands that you can buy and people dressed up and think about the castle. And at night they do this amazing, we were there around Christmas, so they did this amazing Christmas light show. And it just, it brings you inside Sorry, the world. Sorry, is this in Florida? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so so it's very immersive then. Very Did much. you buy a wand? Oh, big time, buddy. Absolutely. <laughs> That's amazing. What am I going to do with it now? I don't know. But at the time, it was cool because there's different interactive, like, storefronts where you can do a little motion and point your wand and, like, a plant will fall or something will explode. Oh, neat. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's great. And, and the best part is, you know, my wife and I, we dressed up because we're nerds and we don't care what people think about us. But you go in and you're like, oh, I wonder if we're going to be the only ones. And everybody is wearing something at least costumey. So what did you dress up as? We just we just, we as? just had glasses and t-shirts and pins that said it's our honeymoon. Okay. But there were people in like full out gear. So you wore Harry Potter glasses. Yeah. Okay. And then, but there were people in like robes and hats and you know, um, house colors and t-shirt. Like everybody there was just such a big super fan. And there's no judgment. It's just fun. And and I sound like I'm doing a commercial. For no, them. this is cool. I, I I find it interesting. Did you read all the books yeah. before the movies came out? No, all, I, were all the, were all the books written yet? Well, yeah. So what I did was I watched the first three movies and then. I had, at this point, I had started getting back into reading in my life, and I had realized that every book I read that was a movie was way better than the movie. So well, I, stopped, usually, yes. I stopped watching the movies, and at about 21, I read all the books. Okay. And then I and then I finished off the movies, and yeah, they're and, good. Had you met the young woman who eventually became your wife yet? Yeah. Actually, it was as we were, because I had a lot of free time on my hands because we were doing long distance, so okay. I had a lot, a lot of time to read. So that was sort of a very important part of you romantically bonding. Well, that and 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 the first Christmas we spent together when I lived in Regina, she flew out and spent Christmas with me out there. And one day we just had a Harry Potter marathon and we watched, I think over the weekend, all eight movies or whatever. And it was just a, a nice, really special time. We, we never got to see each other. We never got to spend time together. And we got so much time together. And that was one of the things that we did. And it was great. Now, were you do any do you find any of the movies disappointing in relation to the book? I mean, it's so hard. Yeah, I mean all of them because there's so much cut out because you can't include all of them. Right. But they do a good job of if you read the books you're still happy. If you didn't read the books they're awesome. Okay. Which is your favorite book? Oh man, I don't rem- I don't re- I read them when I was like 21. I don't know. What are you now like 26? 31. Oh, okay. So I'm, that's a long time. But you need to start reading the books. You'll be you'll be pleasantly surprised. I'm, I bet we're getting a lot of happy Harry Potter texts at uh, 630. Yeah, a couple. <laughs> People like Harry Potter. Well, it's I, 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 Get this I, country I, I, nerd I, off of here. Let's I talk find sports. other people's interests very interesting. Yeah. Like I, I might, you know, I might, if, if I ever do give you a hard time about it, it's it's purely no. joking because I, I'm passionate about things that other people might think are silly. Like Northern Chicken is outstanding. Bringing. Can I tell you that little nacho chip crumbly yeah, the Dorito macaroni mac and they cheese have? is incredible. Ooh. 
Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing Do down I? South Comfort Food to Edmonton. No, with their what? creative take on Southern classics, spun with a modern twist. Check them out at NorthChickenYG.com or visit them in person, 10704 124th Street. Some guests. Oh, oh yes. Some, not that's, you. That's why yeah, it's not nice. co-workers. <laughs> not people who just walk up the stairs together. Didn't get me a wedding present. That would have been nice. One texter says, uh, can you have Greg wave his wand at the referees and make them call penalties? <laughs> wave my, I'm going to bring it to the next game and just see the looks I get. No, is J- J.K. Rowling, isn't she still writing stuff? I mean, nothing people What read. are these ones with um, Eddie Redmayne? Oh, those aren't, those are just straight movies. Those aren't books. I mean, she'll adapt the movie into a book after if you, if you want to read it. But so it's from the Harry Potter universe, yeah. but she's not really creating those stories. I mean, she's part of the team that okay. creates the stories, but it's strictly for the big screen. She must be insanely wealthy now. I think um, the term is gazillionaire, yeah. Really? Yeah. Like, for sure, one and of the... she we- just started doing this in her spare time, seeing if she could write a book. No, she? no, she was a writer. Okay. And um, just ha- always had this idea and wasn't doing very well, and I think... It was kind of, actually the first book was written partially on napkins because she just had this idea and just yeah she was just kind yeah. of when she had a moment and now she's yeah worth all the money and like billions well good for her she does well um, sports stuff you talked about my Colts who do you see in the NFL playoffs that you have a good feeling of that you'll see in Atlanta at the Super Bowl. Well, I picked the Rams to win the NFC before the season. Remember you and I did a... Did, and we both picked Pittsburgh to win the AFC. Oh, yeah, that we was did, a tough didn't call. Make, didn't make the playoffs. Tough call. Uh, the thing is, it's now the Saints at home, and I did not think the Saints were going to be this amazing. Like, what a year. But I'll still... Uh, I'll still go with the Rams. And, uh, well, I think KC is going to beat Indy. And I actually think the Chargers are going to win in New England. I, I hope so. But to, both those teams, like, they're playing, I don't know. I don't trust either team at this point. Fantastic Beasts. Both are awesome movies. They are good movies. I'll have to watch those. Greg, we're out of time. We get, I always say we got to do this more more often. Whenever you want me on, buddy. Thanks for coming up. Anytime. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. Inside Sports from 6 to 7 tomorrow. And then the Oilers broadcast starts with the face-off show at 7, game at 8.30. Thanks for tuning in. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.